Blog okay. Talk Radio. Welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is Janice Cross Gilliard for a conversation about her research How an 1829 Bill of Sale and a Question Connected Janice to Her Fifth Great Grandmother, Willoughby McWhite. Now, Janice Cross Gillier will share how a segment from the PBS show, The History Detectives, has impacted her genealogy research. Janice Cross Gillier is a charter member of the Harriet Tutman Chapter of Sons and Daughters of the United States Middle Passage. She is also a member of the New Jersey chapter of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society and currently serves as president, editor of the Family Times newsletter. Janice has conducted her family research for, for a long time and has documented her family history back to 1790. She is proud of her ancestors, which include educators, midwives, farmers, and pastors. She is passionate about history and genealogy and believes that her ancestors chose her to tell their stories. So let me give just a warm welcome to Janice Cross Gilliard. Welcome, Janice. Thank you, Bernice, and good afternoon to you and your listeners, and thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, Janice, I am truly looking forward to our conversation today. So let's start at your beginning. What sparked your interest in researching your family history? Well, Bernice, my husband was working on his family history. This was close to 27, 28 years ago and suggested that I start researching my own family. I was not interested and quickly explained that I knew my family history. His response was, okay, well, tell me who they are. Well, that didn't go well because clearly I could not share past my grandparents or I was stumbling to come up with their names. And so once I started, the rest is history. I'm now a genealogy addict. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I started this show, I mentioned something about your fifth great-grandmother, Willoughby Mac White. So 
So how did you discover that you were a descendant of Willoughby Mac White? Well, I have to set this up. So on the 4th of July, it was my grandmother's 97th birthday. Her name is Celia Woodbury Cross, and she resides in Marion, South Carolina. And so prior to calling her, there was a gentleman on. His name is James McGill, and he runs the Slave Dwelling Project. And he was at Magnolia Plantation in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. Now, what's interesting is that four years ago, I wanted to visit Charleston while we were on vacation, and no one wanted to go, but I had this urge to go and went. And as I was coming back, I just had this overwhelming feeling or that there was a presence with me that said, wow, she came to see us today. And I'm like, that's weird. I'm not going to tell anyone. I don't want them to think I'm crazy. Okay, so that's part one. The second part is I called my aunt, who never, ever talks about family history unless I bring it up. And all of a sudden, you know, she's like, okay, I'm going to kiss grandma on that forehead for you, and we're exchanging pleasantries. And I was really disappointed because of COVID that I couldn't be there with her. Every year I travel for her birthday to go see her and be with her, especially with her uh, being, you know, in her 90s. So long story short, my aunt starts talking about family that we have in Pennsylvania. And, she, again, she never talks about it. And so I said, well, you know what, let me bring it up on Ancestry.com. The names don't sound familiar. All of a sudden, I put in one of the names that she mentioned, and as you know, in Ancestry.com, if there is someone that they think, based on their algorithms, may be connected to you, they will make a suggestion. I started clicking on the suggestions, and I was stunned. It took me back an additional two to three generations. I'd seen some information before, but having the conversation with my aunt, it just confirmed a lot of this information that I was seeing. So in the, one of the notes, for Willoughby, someone entered a note that said, if you're connected to her, please look at the PBS segment. Um, there's a show called The History Detectives. And I said, okay, I'm going to go look this up. There was a transcript. I'm reading the transcript, and I am overwhelmed. And I stopped in the middle of the transcript and thought, wait a minute, maybe the segment is online. Now, this is back in 2012 that the segment aired. And I looked online, and the segment was on. And so basically, it's while uh, Jeannie Hans was cleaning out her grandfather's, um, she was going through his Civil War memorabilia collection, she found several documents. And one of them was very disturbing to her. It was an 1829 bill of sale for the purchase of a 17-year-old Negro girl named Willoughby. I'm sorry, it's still very emotional to read it. And she said that one of the things that Jeannie said, she lived in Wichita, Kansas, first of all, and she said the document haunted her. Every, every time she looked at it, she felt haunted. I don't view it as haunting. I view it as a spiritual connection that she was supposed to do it. And that's how I first found out about it. And then I was stunned as I'm watching the segment to find out that James McGill was in the segment. And mind you, I'm watching him the same day as my grandmother's 97th birthday. How ironic is that, right? And then they go in the segment, if you watch it, they go to Francis Marion University where there are slave cabins still there. And I've been there. 24 years ago, I went there. And then the next part, they go to Marion, South Carolina, to the Archives and History Center, and they meet with a gentleman named Maxie Foxworth. Well, I know Maxie Foxworth, and he's helped me with other research. So the fact that this segment was the aired in 2012, and here it is, July 4th, 2020, and I'm just finding out about it and finding out that it's connected to me, 
was mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. I'm just listening to you and saying, wait a minute, we're not talking about 2013, July 4th. We're talking about 2020. This is recent that you just discovered your connection to Willoughby Mac White and that PBS special. Yes, and it was, I felt as if, I've seen a meme before, and um, it looks as if an older woman is handing a gift from heaven down to a child who's bending over, and it's a little girl. And every time I see that, that meme, is, and it's basically like ancestors be like meaning giving you gifts, that's how I feel, that that day was my gift, that it was provident, that it was meant for me to find it, that it was not meant for me to see that segment in 2012 because I wouldn't have understood it. I would have, I would have watched it. And I just, that was one of my favorite shows. It no longer airs, but you can still watch it online. And it was one of my favorite shows, and I don't recall seeing that episode. And even if I did, again, I, I wouldn't have connected her to me. My own family didn't know about it or even right. know about it. So it, it, just, it, 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 it was timing. I mean, the ancestors were yes. ready for you to start connecting exactly. the dots. It, at least it sounds exactly. like that. So what was right. your and response when you learned that you had a direct connection to Willoughby? Take us through your journey of figuring out this direct connection. Well, the direct connection, again, was looking at uh, entering that information into my family tree, knowing that she was a part of me. My response was very, very overwhelming because um, it clearly stated that she was sold in Charleston for $335 to Asa Brown, and that part overwhelmed me, that you only valued a 17-year-old girl who was alone for $335. So that part, um, it was a range of emotions. I cried. I was happy that I found her. And then from being happy, um, anger at the fact that a human being was being sold. Um, And then my response was, I have to write. And this all started as far as me writing at about 7.30. I was up until 4.30 in the morning writing. And the writing was a pull in my spirit that I had to write. So I wrote about everything that happened that day. I wrote about calling my grandmother to wish her a happy birthday. Um, I called her. I wrote about all of the different steps, the places that I had been that were in the segment. And so by the time I finished, I had five pages. And then I had questions. And the questions were, have, did you ever connect with your parents again? Did you ever see them? What happened to you? When you were married, was it a forced arrangement? Or, you know, did you really love this person? I, all of my questions were, what did it feel like? So, again, it was a, it was a range of emotions. And as a, you go through this, this journey, this, this range of emotions from happiness to anger to just the desire to make sure that you write everything down and start asking these questions, did you start getting some of your questions answered? <laughs> I did. I did. What is amazing to me is that there's so much information about Willoughby. Um, one of the things that's online, first of all, my other response was that I wanted to get in my car 
and drive to South Carolina and get all of the documents that they discussed or showed in the segment. And so I was like, okay, you can't do that. Another response was, and this is, this is just me being overly emotional about it, I'm going to quit my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go and research and document all of my enslaved ancestors, and the money will come. <laughs> and then reality said, okay, you're not going to do that. Your daughter's in her second year of college. Um, you're not going to do that. So I went online again and started searching, and all of the documents that I was willing to take two, three vacation days to drive to South Carolina to get, the majority of them were online. And, and one of them, my cousin, her name is Teresa, and she connects to this family as well, is the Slave Bill of Sale. And so reading that was painful again. Um, again, the same emotions, happy to have it. And my cousin, she felt the same way and then angry that uh, someone is valued at $335. Um, another document is one where... Willoughby is listed, along with her husband, Essex, E-S-S-E-X, for $1,100. And their children were listed as well, Lydia, for $750. I suspect one of the things that I learned, or what I believe, rather, is that because the slave owner, Stephen McWhite, he listed her in his will. He died two years after purchasing her. And there just seemed to be some type of affection to make sure that she was okay. So he gave, and it's hard to even say that, he gave Willoughby to his sister and wanted to make sure that she was okay. And then there were several other slaves that were listed, and the response basically was, or the way that the wording was, was, okay, they can be sold. So the fact that he looked out for her, um, that he hired her out. My question would be, was she able to keep the money? I guess I'll never know the answer to that. I just found all of that interesting. So there are several documents, the slave bill of sale, um, two wills that acknowledge her, um, was very, very interesting. And, again, I felt like somebody had given me, although it's sad what happened um, in terms of slavery, and we all pretty much know what that's about, I am amazed that I have the documents that talk about her and what was done for her. So did the surname Mac White ever come up in your family discussions? Not at all. And that I was really surprised. One of the names that did come up was Belin or Balin, B-E-L-I-N. And so my family would say, oh, no, 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 they're not connected to us. But I do remember my grandmother saying, oh, yes, there's some kind of kin to us. I'm not quite sure. So I was happy to have that. But as far as McWhite or White or McDaniel, no, the name never came up. And so, of course, what am I going to do? I'm going to look and look at the census records, and I was able to find her in 1870, 1880. Um, Her husband actually lived to be 105 years old, Essex, and he had a son named Essex. And I suspect, um, because the son, his last name was listed as Daniel, that Uh, Mary Daniels, their family, or the male slave owner, was the father of Essex, and that for Willoughby, because she was listed as McWhite, and she she purchased 150 acres immediately after slavery. So that well, that's interesting. Where do you think she got that money from to purchase 150 acres right (laughs) after slavery? Right from the slave owner's wife, or that there are additional documents that I'll have to look for. 
Um, the other thing that I found is that there's a school curriculum based around Willoughby Flight. Now, that I, I was stunned, and that's actually where the Slave Bill of Sale was. So there is a curriculum for all the way up until high school, if someone wants to share, and it's all about Willoughby. I never in a million years thought that I would find that. And then the other thing is I've been in touch with the professor that was actually in this segment, and he was very moved by Willoughby's story, and he's actually trying to help me uh, connect with uh, Jeannie. Um, the other thing, I'm going to keep going, that we have ancestors, meaning Bernice, you, that it appears that we have ancestors in common, and that really, really was just overwhelming for me. The name McWhite is originally Muscle White, and there are DNA matches connecting me to you and also on GEDmatch. So we are connected by the McWhite and Daniels family. Unbelievable. And really, the <laughs> connection <laughs> totally blew me away. <laughs> When I discovered Mac Whites, and, and I think I said to you, wait a minute, I'm seeing Mac Whites, and they're not living far from Willoughby, Mac Knight. <laughs> Mac Whites. Census sheets away. And so that lets me know that, number one, if you're doing the research in your family, you're supposed to do it. And I'll talk you know, a little bit about that later. You're supposed to do it. And my feeling, I went on Our Black Ancestry and I, I posed a question and I asked, are you out of nowhere all of a sudden getting all of these connections or do you feel like you're being led to information that typically would take you longer to find? And so from the moment that we connected and all of the things that happened and the information that I'm finding and the fact that we're connected, you cannot tell me that this is not a spiritual connection that it's not providence, and even for my grandmother, wishing her a, a happy birthday, you know, her 97th birthday, and then finding this information out, my question is, why didn't I find it before? And so I mm -hmm. believe that there are times that you will do the work, there will be a trail, and, you know, it'll take some time, and then I just believe that our ancestors, they want to be found, and they will do whatever to, like, put it in front of us to say, you know, follow this path, little crumbs, follow this path. You know, stay here. No, 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 just stay right here. Keep looking. Don't turn away. Keep looking. And so one of my um, encouragements is this. I had seen the name McWhite and totally dismissed it because it was like, no, 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 I've never heard that name before. It can't be connected to me. So I would encourage folks, when you see something, it's there for a reason. And even though you might not be able to connect the dots, make a note of it, date it, and keep it. All of those little hints, they add up. They always they do add. add up. They absolutely add up. And, you know, just, again, just thinking about this this connection and, and you and I connecting with each other and talking yeah. about you coming on the show, to talk about this experience, I mean, how many people have seen bills of sales and just didn't pay any attention to them? And, but Jenny no. Hans, she she reached out to somebody. It, it was disturbing enough to her that she reached out to someone. And because exactly. she did that, the history detectives decided, let's, let's see if we can help her. But in helping no. her, 
she also left information enough that then you made the connection also. Yes, and and you know what? I'm very, um, I love the phrase, um, blessed, grateful, thankful. And I am so thankful to her because some people find information like that and they don't say anything or they keep the secret. And that's going on. A lot of people are experiencing that now where there are people that have information that could help people and they don't share it. And if anyone is listening and they have that information, I encourage you to share it because for many of us, we're not sure it's not there. And so for Jeannie to have reached out to the history detective and for them to actually take this story on, it has totally changed my life. I, I, I try to, you know, I, sometimes I don't like to use the word addictive, but it's not, the word that I use now is it's increased my passion to research my other enslaved ancestors and to document and tell their stories. And one of the other things that I feel is that we're called to do it and we're supposed to be a voice for them. They could not document or put something somewhere. Some people, you know, their families, depending on the situation, you know, they could have done that or they had a family Bible. You have a family Bible. I don't have a family Bible. Everything that I have found has been researching for close to 30 years, and it has not been easy. But I will say this. It's challenging, but it's not impossible. And I'm a person of faith, so I also believe when you hit those major roadblocks, pray about it, and things will happen. And for me, although I found and I pursued this line, I still feel like Willoughby found me, that it was meant to be. This morning, I will share with you, I, I work from home, but I made sure that I did my hair. I went out of my way. I had my earrings on, makeup on. I dressed as if I was actually meeting you in person, as if I were <laughs> to hundreds of people because her story needs to be told and she needs to be represented, and I refer to her as Queen Willoughby. And so your ancestors, for our listeners today, right, tell their stories. Do the work and tell their stories. I would encourage you, just don't do the work and stick it in a file and say, oh, that's okay, because you know what? They didn't have a voice. They were not given, in many instances, an opportunity to speak. And if you really don't understand what I'm saying, go and read the history of slavery. It was brutal in, in most cases. And so when you read about it and when you study the history, especially in this country, my personal belief is that you are obligated, once you find out, you are obligated to research and document and tell the story. And for me, on both sides of my family, my maternal as well as paternal, no one was doing the work. No one was doing the research. As I started finding things and asking questions, some people were like, well, why are you digging up stuff that happened, you know, so far back? It's important. And so one of the desires that I have is I'm working really, really hard. I'm trying to document everything I can. I'm writing essays. I'm doing presentations. I want the descendants and the folks coming behind me, my descendants, and the youth, and I share this at every family reunion, you're not going to have to search for 25 and 30 years. I'm doing mm-hmm. it for you. I'm leaving the legacy. I'm passing the tor- I will pass the torch on. My children are now interested. So 
So it's important. Many people say, well, it's not important. That was way back in the slavery days. Well, no, our history is important. It is important. You do a historical timeline, and we were there every step of the way. So I encourage everyone, do the work. It's important to do it, and your ancestors are crying out for you to do it. And you made another point also that for individuals that have documents, share those documents. I mean, Beyond Kin, there's, people are sharing documents on Beyond Kin, Afrogenius, Our Black Ancestry. Share them wherever you can uh, because Absolutely. people like you, people like me, and some of the listeners are looking for those very documents that will take you to the next level. And, you know, you talk about the spiritual, but your ancestors were waiting. And, you know, I was saying to Janice, well, wait a minute, Janice, how did this this just happen in July that you found this connection? And she's your fifth great-grandmother, and at 17 years old, she was on this 1829 bill of sale. So tell us, since she's your fifth great-grandmother, is this on your maternal side or your paternal side? My paternal side, and my grandmother, who is 97 years old, and I made sure I looked this up, it's her third great-grandmother. And that is, it's mind-blowing to me. It's amazing to me to be able to find that. And the fact that she's 97 years old, I have to tell you, longevity runs in our family. But I I have have records for her for her uh, her great grandfather I have a slave narrative for her great grandfather and her great grandmother and also um, a will uh, that talks about her great grandfather but on her this is on my maternal side my father's my father's mother but for her for Celia Woodbury Cross it's her mother's family it's her mother's family. So for me, the connection paternal, but for my grandmother, it is her mother's family. And so she only gotcha. would tell me, her, you know, she told me about her mother, who was Addie. And then she said, well, my grandmother's name was Early. And then there's Patience. And then there's Lydia. And it just kept going. And it's just amazing to see it. So I made sure that I shared it with my children for them to see. Look at your history in living color. It's here. So, you know, for the people that have information or documents and they may be concerned or, um, oh, well, I don't want to cause any problems, I'm just here to say that most people looking, they just want the information. For me, this is like having a million dollars, somebody giving even more than that. It's invaluable, and it's so important. And I'm not looking to, for me personally, I'm not looking to hurt or harm anyone with the information that I have received. So you sharing information um, you know, inventories, wills, documents that you may have in a box and think, that, oh, it's not important, I promise you it would be a blessing and a gift to someone who is desperately seeking information on their enslaved ancestors. Now, one of the questions I have for you, have you reached out to any of the other descendants of Willoughby? Well, one um, individual, her name is Teresa, I mentioned her before, um, she is a descendant. Um, her great or second great-grandfather and my second great-grandmother are siblings, and so now we're working together to share this information and to document it. 
Um, so, yes, she's, she's the first person. Um, and then now my connection to you, so we have work to do. And then last night, um, as I was prepping for this, um, for today, there was a woman in the, sh- in the segment towards the end that I stumbled upon at about maybe 1230 last night. So I was up until 230 this morning, and her name is Cynthia Greenlee. And she, again, is helping with Maxie Foxworth at the end of the segment. And so as it turns out, she found out while she was working on the segment that she's connected to Willoughby. So that's what I mean by this work is spiritual because I did not see that coming. I've read up on her. I've seen different articles where she spoke about the work that she was doing. But shortly while she was in the midst of working on the segment, she found out that she was related. And her ancestor is Moses Daniels. And so that's just unbelievable to me that here it is in prepping for today, just last night, I found something else. And then I went back and double-checked, and Moses is listed with Willoughby and Essex and their children, Lydia, um, and there was another, uh, Rose. Moses is listed with them in the document. And I saw Moses' name. So, I mean, can you imagine, she she was, someone had reached out to her to help with the bill of sale and she ended up looking at it and saying wait a minute Moses Daniels that's my ancestor yes maybe all of this is spiritual she found out at the end but they wanted to you know keep the focus but um I can't wait to speak with her and connect with her as well and so um my cousin we were talking and I'm excited about that museum that they're building in Charleston, and I have said it. I believe that it's going to happen, but I don't care what I have to do. There's going to be an exhibit for Willoughby and the folks connected to her, and her descendants will be there, and I will be one of them. And I only (laughs) wish that I had known when they were preparing the segment that they were looking for ancestors, and I had known, I would have said, well, what what time should I be there? I would have been on a plane, and I would have been there. So I just that part makes me wish that I had known about it. But you know what? It's for such a time as this, and I believe that right now this is an opportunity to expand on it and do something even more. Well, I have a question for you. Have yes. you informed Joseph McGill of your connection to Willoughby McWhite? <laughs> okay, so anytime I find something that just blows me out of the water, of course. I make contact. I called him the day I found out, but just the fact that I was talking to him before I spoke to my grandmother and found out, and I had to leave a message for him. That was on a Saturday. He called me that Sunday morning, and I said, do you recall working on a segment with the history detective? And he said, oh, yes, yes. I said, now, you remember yesterday I was talking to you while you were on Facebook Live, and he responded, yes. I said, well, Willoughby is my fifth great-grandmother. So he, <laughs> his response, <laughs> I could imagine him, like, falling back, like, really? And, you know, just the fact that he was featured in that segment and that he said, I remember that very well. I remember that. And he was the one that highlighted the fact that she was alone at 17 years old being sold and what that could have meant. And he said it meant one of two things. Either she was going to be used for possibly his personal use, which 
again, causes me to be frustrated, but I'm working through it. Or um, as a house, you know, enslaved house, you know, to work in the, I hate saying it's a big house. Um, But he remembered the segment. Edward Pagan, the professor, remembered the segment, and both of them, they were moved by it. Unbelievable. You're right, unbelievable. So where are you now getting ready to take this information? How will you share Willoughby's journey with with others, in addition to being on this show, but with others? Well, I'll continue to share with anyone that invites me because, again, I'm the voice for Willoughby. That's how I feel. I'm, I'm the voice for her and to represent her along with my cousin and anyone else who's willing to talk about it and you will be a part of that story, and I'm confident that there's, you know, based on what I found last night and some of um, the discoveries that I've made about how we're connected, so I'm looking to do a project because the fact that there's a curriculum, the PBS segment, and all these documents and connections that I'm making, it's not something that you can just take and say, okay, that was nice. I'll just put it. I've been successful with that. I'm done. No way. I feel empowered to um, work on a PowerPoint presentation, so I'm gathering all of my notes for that. Um, being, uh, once again, the voice that, you know, she didn't have, I'm in the process of writing about the research I've done over the past 25 years, and Willoughby will definitely be highlighted. I also plan to upload the information to the International African American Museum's portal for family history to share Willoughby's story and to conduct further research on our connection, which I already mentioned, as cousins, and share it, if you approve. (laughs) (laughs) If you approve. And I think you will. (laughs) Because this is, her story is amazing. Um, Finding uh, descendants is amazing. And I actually went on Facebook, I think it was like two days later, and I was on my aunt's page um, making a note, a post, and there was somebody with the McWhite name, and my aunt connected me with that person, and I've been in touch with them, and they're also providing information. So, again, I think that this is just the time to do it. It's an appointed time to do it, and I'm excited about it. Well, I'm excited about it, too, and look forward to you sharing as much information as possible as well as seeing the book that I'm certain you're working on also, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so there will definitely be a part two, and you will definitely be a part of it, and I'm just grateful for this opportunity. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show, so why don't you share with us some of your parting words and advice to others that may find a bill of sale or have a bill of sale or any other documents that perhaps they should share with others. Okay, this is from my heart to all of your listeners, and that is, Researching enslaved ancestors may be challenging, but it can be done. Number one, follow the money. Look at the neighbors and the 1870 census and don't count out the 1860 census records. Sometimes our enslaved ancestors are listed. I have one line where eight of my ancestors, their names were listed. Look at wills, inventories, local histories. Many state archives have some records online. They really, really do. It is so important to understand the history of the area and don't ever think, oh, well, that's not my history. Wrong. It is. Take your time and determine to be focused with your research. The information that you need will come to you 
and sometimes not in the way you think it will, make sure you note every potential hint. I promise you, all of those hints will come in handy. Last, talk to other researchers. That has helped me tremendously. As Dr. Evelyn McDowell always says, this work is spiritual, your ancestors want to be found, and you must tell their stories. If you are the only person in your family doing the research, then congratulations, you have been selected to do the work. Thank you, Denise. Oh, I love that. And for those of you, as you just said, if you're the only one doing that research in your family, that's okay. You were selected to do that. Well, I want everyone else to understand your ancestors left footprints, and sometimes those footprints come in very strange ways. For example, what happened on July 4th, 2020? You looked at the history detective. You were celebrating your grandmother's birthday, and look what you found. Folks, others will find similar documentation. Others will find the information. The clues are there for you. So please take the time, study them, share with other people, talk. Get your genie buddy. Talk to your genie buddy. You may discover something that you just totally overlooked, totally. And I know because I talk to my genie buddy every morning, (laughs) every morning, and we come up with with stuff. So thank you so much for tuning in to research at the National Archives and beyond. And thank you so much, Janice. I just enjoyed listening to you today. Everyone else, I look forward to you. Thank you. I look forward to you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Thank you, Janice. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 